the Gym Class Zeros podcast, where the zeros are the heroes, baby. I'm fired up. I am fired up. Welcome back to another edition of the Gym Class Zeros podcast. The same crew is back at it for another week. Let's introduce ourselves real quick. I'm George. Hey, what's up, guys? Seti here, back for another episode. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Coach. Let's do this. And you got Brewmaster Kyle back at it again for another week. We got a great episode coming up your way. We got some golf talk. Masters week is underway. Uh, We got some basketball. And, of course, the MLB season started off with a bang. And so we're going to talk lots of baseball. Uh, But before we do that, we're going to start it off in the same place that we always do. It's Bland's Brew of the Week. So, Mr. Bland, what you got brewing for us? Thanks, guys. But before I get started with the beer, I just want to say Happy Easter. I know that was just this past Sunday. And I wanted to start off with uh, a little joke. So, why did the Easter Bunny only drink IPAs? Why? Because they're hoppy. Oh. Oh. Anyways. This is why why you only do the beer segment, Kyle. Stay (laughs) the fuck in your lane. I love it. Don't, don't don't stop bringing it. <laughs> so getting to the beer of the week, we've got Brown Cow by Cow Bogey Brewery. Uh, this mm. one's awesome, and I want. I've got some. <laughs> sorry. I've got some uh, instructions for you guys. So if you notice at the top of the can, it says shake and pour. They're not lying. I want you guys to gently, not aggressively, but gently shake this. And I'm not responsible for any damages in your household. Did you guys Wouldn't know that Brewmaster Kyle's right? also a bartender? <laughs> Part-time. All right. right. We'll so it. we're going to go ahead and open it. And I want you guys to pour it directly upside down into your glass. Upside down? So I hope my glass is big enough. I hope so, too. That's what she said. <laughs> now you'll notice it won't foam over the the lip if your glass is big enough it should just come up to the top if you need to stop early then go for it but mine just comes up right to the top god i hope it pours on george's leg i love me a good head so that way you get a nice dense textured head and this comes from the nitrogen infusion uh, that you're gonna find in these stouts, and that gives it a nice creamy texture. I so, love stouts. Well, me too. It's, Let's get into it. We got some creaminess, Ooh. chocolate, espresso. Ooh. This one's really nice. Uh, George, I love this. I'm in love. It's great. It's too yeah, bad it's... I'm already married. <laughs> this is tremendous. I love me a a, a nitro infused beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so similar to like the Kilkenny, if you ever had that one, uh, Guinness Draft Stout, it's got that same uh, textured creaminess to it. And the reason for that, now for you guys who know me, I like my science. Uh, the reason for that is nitrogen bubbles actually are smaller than carbon dioxide bubbles, so you can fit more of them into your glass, making it creamier. This is Science. awesome. All I gotta say is, brown cow is smooth. 
I got like Kilkenny is my my go to like favorite everyday beer, um, but this is right next to it. Like I yeah, wouldn't be able to have this subtle, as much, but I love like that. That's a good comparison. This is like a stout version of that creamy Kilkenny. That is awesome. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's like it up. slightly bitter, but really creamy. It's not too sweet, which I find with some stouts they can get a little too sweet, but. Um, it's it's just really well balanced, really nice. Shit. Another tremendous pick from Brewmaster Kyle. This is the the best pick so far. That's really I'm nice. glad you guys like it. And it, and I love that it's local too, Calabogie in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. These ones. I know we were straying away from Ottawa for a little bit, but uh, we've come back to Ottawa just to bring this one, and uh, I'm really glad we did. Okay, I'm gonna have to go get some more before uh, they get seasoned out. Yeah, I think they are a year-round brew. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong on that one, uh, but I would double check. What I like about this one too is that it's also kind of like a talking point too, or like a conversation starter with the way you you start it off, like the whole shake it, pour mm-hmm. it directly upside down. Like that's something. Um, obviously, I would just eat up and just uh, not stop talking about at a party. So it's totally counterintuitive. Uh, like you want to, normally when you pour a beer, you know whatever it is forty five degree angle, whatever it is to not get so much of a head, and so it doesn't bubble over. But this one just bombs away. Literally. Awesome. All right, a great edition of Bland's Brew of the Week, Brewmaster Kyle. Thank you for joining us again for another edition. And thank you for bringing this into my life. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Enjoy the beer. Just a reminder, Brown Cow by Calabogie Brewing Company. Check out our Instagram right now, at Pod for a beautiful picture of this uh, nice nitro stout in the can uh, poured into a glass. You can see the color of that, that rich stout, which is just so unique, so... Check that out. Follow us on there. And then also on Twitter, at Pod with a zero. Let's jump into our next segment in this episode. Uh, our now newly, it's still new, uh, recurring segment, which is this Wednesday in sports history. I'm going to be presenting this week, and I'm super excited. Off the top of the show, uh, we hinted Masters is going to be a, a big point of uh, conversation this week. And that's exactly where this week's history pieces so april 7th 1963 so this episode's being launched or released on april 7th uh so 1963 the 27th u.s masters tournament at augusta national a 23 year old jack nicholas wins the first of his record six green jackets with a three-foot par putt on the final hole to finish one stroke ahead of tommy lima the start of a legendary run for the augusta legend the golden bear jack nicholas that's this today in sports history, back in 1963. One of the absolute golf legends. That's quite impressive, uh, George, <clears throat> George, that you bring that up. Six green jackets. That means he's got enough. He's he almost has a different jacket for every day of the week. You know, if there's a, a patch of the year on it, you know, if he's feeling like he wants to flex a, you know, one that he won... It, it could be 1963, it could be in any other one, but imagine just walking into a bar and you just see this bright green jacket and you know automatically this guy's won the Masters. And not only once, but six times. Quite impressive. Quite impressive. I think one of the most 
uh, underappreciated sports kind of accomplishments uh, would be winning the Masters. So my hat goes off to the Golden Bear for sure. Definitely a legend. Yeah, Absolutely. I think he's uh, one of the most more underrated uh, athletes of all time in terms of the conversation for goats and uh, greatest in their sports. I think Jack Nicholas is probably a name that uh, people often forget, but those, like we mentioned, those six green jackets, they speak for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Masters is one of those harder tournaments to win on the PGA Tour circuit. Uh, and to win six is just an amazing feat. Like you look at Dustin Johnson, he just won his first last year. Uh, and so that says a lot about how hard of a tournament that is to win. I guess everybody just remembers Arnold Palmer because of the drink. Jack Nicholas gets uh, passed over. Awesome. So that's this Wednesday in sports history. Jumping into some basketball, I'm not sure if you noticed, but we've had some basketball recently. Uh, so first and foremost, we're going to give a nice, huge shout-out to the women's final in the NCAA basketball tournament. A very exciting game with Stanford beating out Arizona. Did you guys catch that game? Yeah, I did, actually. Uh, it was the only women's game uh, of the much Madness that I actually watched, but watching that, that game made me wish I had watched more of it because I'll tell you, it was fast-paced, uh, back and forth all game, very tight game till the end. And uh, I don't know if you guys caught it, but basically it came down to the last possession with Arizona missing a buzzer beater to win the game. Uh, but yeah, very, very nice, uh, nice game and closer than the men's finals, which I think we'll touch on shortly. But yeah, I was very impressed by not only the, the, uh, the caliber of basketball that these women were playing, but also by uh, how, how fast paced and just, uh, Overall, how enjoyable the game was to watch. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't actually get to watch it. Uh, I saw the highlights, but I mean, what a game! Just back and forth until the end, as you said. Um, and yeah, huge, uh, huge win for Stanford. Heartbreaking for Arizona, but if you miss a buzzer beater, well, you don't deserve to win. But uh, good game. And a fun little tidbit: our uh, good buddy, friend of the program, Russell Wilson. Wilson, his sister was actually on the Stanford team, and. Uh, so he was in the crowd when she won the championship. I'm not sure if you guys knew that. I didn't. That's a good. That's a nice little fun fact. I like that. I think a lot could be said about the difference, especially in pay, when it comes to women and men's sports. Um, the reasons behind it are, are very much based in the revenue that these different leagues bring in, and especially, you know, not so much of a, the case in NCAA, obviously, given they're not being paid. But um, it doesn't mean that the actual product on the field court ice is not just as good. Uh, and so I think this really proves it. Like some, there's some really, really good basketball going on in the women's side of things uh, that we often are sleeping on and, and that we should really be checking into more. I, I think the one thing that's always interesting when I see a, a school that's more known for the education and the, the, the academic side of things, uh, win it all like that, like Stanford, I think it's always interesting to see them produce a really high caliber sports product, knowing that they're very well known for the in the class type of thing and having the the great education. Uh, so super interesting to see a, a team like Stanford win it all. A team that's not known for their academics, uh, but is known for their on field accomplishments. Uh, are the Baylor Bears. Uh, SETI, full full respect there. You called it from the beginning. You had the Baylor Bears. I had called the Gonzaga Bulldogs. They take the win in the NCAA tournament final on the men's side. 
we won't revisit who coach picked to win the tournament because that was ages ago that they were eliminated. So we'll move along. Oh, fuck. Uh, it it yeah, was really interesting. defeat there, guys. Absolutely. Respect is due. Uh, so a hat, hat tip of the cap to you. Let's put it that way. Uh, you look at kind of Gonzaga and the way they got there. You see the final four buzzer beater by, by Suggs to keep Gonzaga's undefeated season going. Uh, just some theatrics there in the final four. And then you get to the finals and they run into that real good defensive Baylor team uh, and end up losing. So Baylor wins 86-70, to 70, their first ever win on the men's side of things. Uh, and the undefeated Bulldogs lose for the first time all season in the biggest game of the year. Uh, so, Seti, I want to start with you, your thoughts. The floor is yours, Mr. Baylor Bear. Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, you kind of you kind of summarized it there. Uh, unfortunately for them, Gonzaga couldn't pull off the, the undefeated season. I think they were look, looking to become the third school in history to, to pull off an undefeated season, I think, is what I saw. But, uh, yeah, Baylor showed up uh, every game of the tournament. What I had kind of stated uh, when we were first making our picks was that it wasn't their offense that was going to uh, stand them apart from the from the pack, which, I mean, they they performed very well on, on offense, especially shooting from three, but it's really their defense that, that really killed Gonzaga. Gonzaga, um, they were averaging, I think, 91 points per game throughout the season, throughout their undefeated season, and they ended up only scoring 70, so... Clearly, Baylor had their number on defense, and uh, yeah, obviously I was cheering hard. I wanted my br- my bracket to make it till the end, so I was extremely happy to see the the Bears pull it off, and uh, yeah, couldn't be happier. Good stuff. I mean, Jared Butler named tournament MOP coach. Are you surprised seeing that, or is that your guy? No, I mean, I'm 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 glad to see him do well. He he averaged uh, I think just over 13 points a game uh, the whole way through which uh, is still a good chunk. I'm glad to see him do well. And, uh, you know, huge congrats to the Baylor Bears and to Seti for calling it from the get-go. Looking back, I don't know why I picked Oklahoma State. I think I fell on the hype for the certain players they had. So joke's on me. Um, I have to admit, once once Oklahoma State got bounced, I stopped giving a shit a little bit. But um, as things got back into the Final Four and into the championship game... uh, I definitely uh, was paying a little more attention. Um, glad it's over, so you guys could stop laughing at me for picking Oklahoma State. So let's let's turn the page. Let's move on to something. Let's move on to something else here. You guys could you guys could try to clown me about the Yankees or whatever, but I'm just glad this is done until next year. So let's not fucking Sur- let's not bring it up anymore. Surprisingly, we're not gonna we're not gonna give you any grief on the Yankees just because it's an early season. So you're off the hook until the end of the season. We'll see what what it's like then. Thanks so much. Seti, I need you to explain this part for me. I see it in the news. I'm not 100% down with what's going on. The drama between KD and actor and comedian Michael Rappaport. What's going on there? Can you sum it up for me? Yeah, absolutely. It kind of came out of nowhere for something that kind of started off uh, in December. So basically, for those who aren't aware of what happened uh, and are just seeing it now, uh, back in December of last year, Michael Rappaport who's kind of famous for, for clowning people uh, on social media, tweeted out saying that KD was all up in his feelings and was hypersensitive, hypersensitive for uh, during a post-game interview that he was doing it with TNT, 
which then uh, sparked a rant for no apparent reason or no good reason to bombard Michael Rappaport in his DMs and just basically using every and any insult he could find in the dictionary to to insult him, uh, even went as far as uh, as threatening him, trying to f- uh, saying he'll find where he's going to live next time he sees him, he's going to spit in his face. So KD kind of just went on a huge tirade online, and then obviously all of those DMs were leaked just recently. Um, now this also isn't kind of the first time that we've seen something like this from KD. Uh, I don't know if you guys all remember, but. Back in 2017, uh, he was exposed for having multiple burner accounts on Twitter and Reddit, I think it was, uh, just to go after people that were criticizing him online. So obviously, this is a guy who has a fragile ego. Uh, I'm sure Michael Rappaport knew this about him and took that uh, opportunity to to try to get something out of it. But what I'm kind of... Obviously, KD was in the wrong. He was fined $50,000 for, for his uh, comments to to Rappaport. But is Rappaport just as guilty uh, know, for enticing this, uh, knowing that KD's kind of a sensitive guy? Uh, is all the blame to be on KD for just losing his shit in, in uh, Rappaport's DMs? Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what you guys think. What your guys' opinion on this is? KD, is it all the blame to be on KD? Should Rappaport have a little bit of blame uh, for his part uh, for his part in this? Uh, what do you guys think? Michael Rappaport's a loser. I'm just gonna go ahead and just say it straight up. He's a loser, and it's not the first time that you hear his name in the media. Uh, even within the last few months, like he got into a huge feud with uh, the CEO or the founder of uh, of uh, what's it called, guys. For Barstool Sports, got into some beef with Dave Portnoy over some stuff and, uh, you know, ended up uh, filing a lawsuit against Dave, um, claiming that he ruined his character and and the meeting Dave Portnoy had with the lawyers is, is now online and I watched it and Dave Portnoy made Michael Rappaport's lawyers kind of look like clowns, like... You know, he shut him down, answered every question. Um, you know, he, he contradicted everything he said. Um, is Kevin Durant at fault entirely? No. Am I surprised that he's made this kind of, you know, made these remarks and used these just horrible words? Not surprised either. You know, you can take the kid out the hood, but you can't take the hood out the kid. You know what I mean? And, and, and. I think it applies to everybody. I think if you know that you're taking heat, I think the first thing you do is you try to insult them. Like, if you're really angry and you don't really take time to think it through, you know, your first instinct is to be like, oh, fuck you, or, you know, if I find you, I'm going to fight you. And in the end, you know, it it costs them a bit of money, kind of, you know. 50000 is what some people make in a year or two, but he probably just, you know, he transferred his money over to the NBA, no big deal. But I think, uh, I think you have to, you still have to be careful because you're still an image. You know, you're Kevin Durant. You're you're a huge name. You're a huge name, and you just have to be careful. So, uh, hopefully, this is a lesson to Rappaport as well. Now, now that people are standing up 
and speaking out and speaking their minds. I think you just have to, uh, I think you just have to be careful and, and let's be honest, they're going to say it won't happen again, but if it's not with Kevin Durant, it'll be with somebody else. So the clowning continues. I don't know. I think this just proves Rappaport's point though, right? He's hypersensitive. I think somebody's got to take Kevin Durant's social media from him because this does you no good. Uh, especially when you're doing it something like, like that, like a DM where all it takes is a couple of screenshots. I think you're putting yourself in trouble there and you're putting yourself in a tough position. Not so much about the $50,000. It's more about your reputation and kind of that perception and your brand when it comes to being marketable as a professional athlete. And you just got to stay away from this kind of stuff. He's When you're in public life like this, you have to understand that that's just something that's going to happen. Uh, Michael Rappaport has every right to write whatever he wants and say whatever he wants on a public platform like that. It's, it's, it is what it is. It's, it's up to KD to stay away from that and, and be the bigger man and move on and understand that you don't have to get sucked into this bullshit, really. Just stay away from it. There's no reason to jump into this, and there's no reason to do that because all it does is make you look silly. And, and for what? Do you think Rappaport really gives a shit? What do you think? Do you think he really cares what you say to him or what you, what you all, all you're doing is making yourself look bad. And and that's ultimately what he's found himself in now. And he's $50,000 lighter. So some would argue yeah, that, and, like you said, maybe that's not much. And for myself, if, if I'm a GM in the NBA and obviously there's no doubting what this guy can produce and what he can do on the court, but if I'm a GM, I would, probably after this specific incident, I would probably be thinking twice when it comes to signing a guy like this who now you know can, you know, has an uncontrollable temper and can flick a switch just like that and lose his shit, uh, whether it be with fans, with reporters, or even uh, guys talking shit to him on the court. Now that guys know how sensitive his ego is, they might start doing more trash-talking to him on the court to try to get get him off his game, so... I'm curious to see uh, what happens for his future in terms of if teams are going to maybe stay away with uh, away from him and if uh, teams are going to try to use this as a almost as a tactic to try to get him off his game, especially come playoff time. I think, you know, I think in, in the end, he's learned. He's learned the lesson. Unfortunately, he's learned it the hard way. But the way I see it is what he brings on the court, I think is more important than his off-court antics. I mean, yeah, okay, he fucked around, maybe said some things that he shouldn't have said, but eventually this is going to get swept under the rug and nobody's going to talk about this anymore. So I think this is just a little, you know, a little bump in the road and, you know, the 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 expectations of his 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 game on the court hasn't changed and I think he's been, he's been great uh, his, you know, entire time in the NBA, so... A little bit of a bump, but you're gonna move on, and in a little while, you're you're gonna be like, oh yeah, well this happened a couple years ago, and nobody's gonna care anymore. So no big deal, uh, if you ask me. He's gonna move on, and we're gonna move on, really, right? Update: uh, Beer's done. That was delicious. My only regret is I don't have a second one, uh, but I don't think that'll be for long. Once again, cheers to Kyle's brand, Kyle Blends Brew of the Week. Let's jump into some baseball, guys. Opening weekend, it's in the books. So nice to have baseball back. In some places, well, most, almost everywhere has fans. 
And then, of course, there's Texas, who's basically ran full capacity uh, on Monday afternoon, which was quite incredible to see. I, I think it was very divisive online. Um, me personally, I think it was it was it was great to see people crowd a baseball stadium again, more so because that's the atmosphere we love to see. Uh, but also understanding that that's super dangerous and, and irresponsible to put that many people in a baseball stadium. Uh, I definitely wouldn't be jumping in at this point into a, a packed baseball stadium uh, personally. But I guess it was kind of cool to see online uh, on TV for the first time in, in well over a year now. First time we see any sporting event uh, filled with fans like it was on uh, Monday afternoon. I think when we look at highlights of opening weekend, the one thing that really stands out is Shohei Otani. Uh, just something else. Like, he's incredible. Uh, I'm not sure if you caught him the other night. Uh, basically, he starts the top of the inning pitching. He's going to be hitting one pitching this year. Uh, and he basically hits 100 miles per hour on the mound and then finishes the inning off in the bottom half with hitting an absolute bomb of a home run. Uh, and so the guy could do it all. It, it's really interesting. And I think, I don't think he gets enough like notoriety or I think just enough respect for this, that this guy is an ace pitcher and is honestly a top of the order bat as well. And since growing up here in North America, it's always been one or the other. You're either a PO, which is a pitcher only, and you're literally useless with a bat in your hands. The best you could do is maybe drop down a bunt. Or you're playing in the field because eventually you get to a point in Little League or competitive ball when you're playing, you get to an age where you can't do both. You can't be the pitcher who's hitting dingers, right? You're either going to concentrate your, your, your attention and your energy on pitching or you're going to be a guy in the field who's also going to be hitting. And so there's not. it's very seldom that we see a guy that does both. Uh, and for and let alone at the major league level, which is quite incredible. And so I think Shohei Otani, and we talk a lot about you know the big three: Soto, Acuna, and Tatis, uh, and, and the marketability behind those guys. But if if I'm kind of the Angels and I'm MLB, there's a lot to be marketed behind Shohei Otani and the uniqueness to his skill and the incredible the incredible talent that he really is. And I think that's really special. And it's so exciting to watch because he can do it all really literally. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, every so often you see, uh, these Japanese players that are brought from overseas who are lighting it up over in Japan. Sometimes they're a hit, sometimes they're a miss, but this guy certainly looks like the real deal. Uh, like you said, he's not only can he pitch, uh, like any other top pitchers in the league, but he can also hit just as good as the top hitters in the league. And I think I saw a tweet, uh, can't remember where, what, who the source was or where it was, but I think at that point, uh, when he hit that home run, he had at that point the second hardest hit recorded that of the season and the seventh hardest pitch thrown. So obviously this guy is lights out on both sides of the plate. Yeah. His actual exit velo, which is the speed that the ball comes off the bat, so forward there's exit velocity, was the hardest hit ball by a Los Angeles Angel since Mike Trout in 2018. This is your ace pitcher 
who's hit the ball the hardest your team has ever hit it over the last three years, which is incredible to think of. Yeah, that's 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 really impressive. Like you don't expect that from a starting pitcher. Uh, you know, in the in the American League, the pitchers don't even bat. You got you know you got a DH designated hitter to do that job for you. So I think it's extremely impressive that not only is he just red hot on the mound, but he's red hot at the plate and and you know and the Angels have always been a threat because of Mike Trout, but you know ever since having having Otani, that's just another step in you know in the right direction. I think if I'm not mistaken, they're playing in the AL West, which is not uber uh, uber tough, uber competitive, but um, I'm definitely expecting a lot out of those LA Angels of Anaheim. Um, so hoping that you know once they find their groove, they'll be a team to watch. As I mentioned, you got Trout, uh, you've got uh, Albert Pujols as well, who's you know nearing like, like the end of his time in the MLB, but still still an important piece there. So. Uh, should be exciting to watch them uh, watch them if if this is the start that they're having Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them come July August when it really matters yep Angels start a series with the Jays on Thursday so looking forward to seeing those guys we'll probably get to see Otani pitch in that series let's go Angels (laughs) and speaking of Trout the guy's hitting 400 through the first weekend of the season and his exact quote the other yesterday actually was yeah, my swing's almost getting there. So his swing is almost there, and he's hitting 400 through the first weekend of the season. Quite incredible stuff. And then lastly on baseball talk, we can't we can't run an episode with talking about Jays reliever Julian Merriweather, who has looked absolutely amazing through the first two appearances he had in that series against the Yankees. He faced six batters. Five of those were strikeouts. 22 total pitches in two appearances, 19 of them strikes. The average fastball velocity for him was 98.7 miles per hour. This is a guy they got as part of that uh, trade deadline deal where the Jays offloaded Josh Donaldson to the Indians. He was a player to be named later. And at the time, Ross Atkins said that this is a a real strong arm coming the other way. And man, was he not kidding. This guy has looked like an absolute stud. With the Jays losing out on Kirby Yates, who's out for the season with Tommy John, uh, he, he can, Julian Merriweather can fill a really important spot in that bullpen for the Jays. And, and that's some really good numbers. Only two games in, but that, those are some really good numbers so far early in the season. Yeah, and it's nice to see, you know, we've talked about this in previous episode, but the, I think the one question, or the biggest question mark for the Jays is obviously has been pitching. And even on the reliever side, uh, I don't think we've had like a consistent or a solid dependable reliever probably since uh, Osuna, uh, a few years ago, he was kind of our one solid guy that we knew we can rely on. And when he left to the Astros, we've kind of been uh, going through a bunch of them and haven't really found consistency. So hopefully this guy can continue uh, showing off what he's done in the first uh, opening weekend here. And uh, definitely excited to see how the season goes for him. Yeah, great point. Unlike the the Yankees, the Jays haven't had the chance to ruin uh, relievers' careers very much in the last couple of years. So. Anyways, moving on, though. No comment. Fernando Tatis Jr., our favorite MLB player, goes down with a dislocated shoulder uh, on Sunday night after swinging at a a breaking ball. 
Uh, kind of a weird fluky injury. Doesn't look good though. He could be out almost. Uh, I think that the prognosis early until the MRI comes in is about four to six months uh, at the most, which is a huge blow for the Badres. Uh, and their chances of making the playoffs easily one of their top players and their star shortstop. So, coach, uh, what, how do you think this affects the Padres uh, moving on this season? I mean, obviously they take a huge hit, but as we've spoken in the past, I mean the team around them is still pretty solid. There'll be there'll be a, a hole that they have to fill um, now. Whether it's within their farm, do they call up a guy? Or do you potentially start looking at a trade already? I know, I know, the season literally just started, but you got to keep your options open. Uh, on the bright side, if things are not as serious as they anticipated, and say he's out only four weeks or eight weeks, or I don't know what the case may be, um, you, you got to look at it as it's better to have it happen now than have it than have it happen in August and have it happen in s- September where. You have to win those games. Now, they could already have a spot clinch in the playoffs, and it doesn't really matter. However, I think you'd rather have an injury early on in the year than have it ha- you know, have it happen halfway through the year where you're in a fight for a playoff spot or you're in a fight for a wild card spot, and, and, and you're just hanging on, and that one guy you're missing is, is, the, is the key player, you know? Um, so, unfortunate, but... Uh, you know, rather now than later, uh, is, is, is the way that I look at it, um, especially for a guy like him, just a star player. If he was kind of just like a, you know, like a nobody, you know, you fill the spot real quick. But I think the Padres uh, have kind of a special kind of special circumstances on their hands, and they're going to have to be careful. They have to await the results, obviously. So we'll see with that. But uh not looking too good uh, in San Diego right now. So, um, you know, I'm wishing him all the best. If he listens to the Jim Class Zero's podcast, great. If not, uh, wish you all the best anyway. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's how I feel. And uh, I guess we'll see. We'll await the results. Sadie, where are you on this? Uh, I mean, I think Coach kind of summarized it pretty well. Uh, you obviously wanted to be, if you're going to have an injury, you'd rather have it early in the season than late in the season. Uh, obviously, he's a one-of-a-kind player. He's pretty hard to replace. Uh, I think that probably, even though they do have a solid team, they definitely bolstered up their pitching. I think that kind of, that's a pretty big loss, and I think it kind of slides them out slightly of maybe being a World Series contender, especially if he's out four to six months. That's basically the whole season. So uh, I think it's going to, if he's out for a long time, I think that'll be a huge impact. And even if he's out, you know, four to six weeks, uh, that's still a huge loss. And uh, they might even have a, a tough time making the playoffs if he's gone, uh, even for that short amount of time. So uh, I wish them the best. As coach said, you never want to see a guy like that get injured. But um, yeah, better now than uh, later in the season. And, and you know, worst case, that can anyone, we've got a guy on the Jim Clazeros podcast, our producer Segs, who's a softball legend. So I'm sure he could fill the shoes in for the Padres. No problem, no problem. He could play short. He can play anywhere, really. He's like Hitting he's like a, he, he's like a better version of Otani. You know what I mean? I mean Otani, who you got? Segs. Have no fear. Segs is here, baby. Striking out pitchers and hitting dingers. Who's better than you? How can I forget about producer Segs hitting in the leadoff spot too? So not only is he an ace pitcher, leadoff spot guy, and hits dingers all at the same time. It's a great point there. 
let's uh, let's jump forward to some hockey though. Trade deadlines coming up April twelfth. So uh, want to get your your perspective here, guys. Taylor Hall today, as we're recording, April sixth is out of the New Jersey Devils lineup, or excuse me, the Buffalo Sabers lineup. Uh, basically, we're expecting a trade now between now and the twelfth. And so when you guys look at the NHL right now, who do you think is getting moved? Is Hall a, a definite, or do you think uh, there's some other guys that might get moved before him? No, I think I think Hall's on the move for sure. Um, it was really stupid of him to sign with the Sabres to begin with. Uh, I don't understand the excitement. I mean, you got Jack Eichel, you got Jeff Skinner, but I mean, a junior B team could probably beat the Sabres right now. That's how bad they are. He's He's got a short deal, so is he looking to move to a team that has the opportunity to extend him? Uh, I think... I think that falls entirely in his hands. You know, if you're a player of that skill, well, you're supposed to have skill, but if you're a player of that skill, uh, I think you definitely have a say uh, in where you end up. Um, I was also hearing that uh, the Sabres are actually um, open to listening to offers for for Jack Eichel. Um, I can't say I'm surprised there either. Uh, He was drafted there in 2015 and uh, just... It's just been a shit show the whole time he's been there. So uh wouldn't be too shocked if he was on the move. Uh, Hall will be on the move. Uh, I, I think that team is just is just imploding. Uh, as to where he goes, I know we touched on that briefly last week, so I won't go over that again. But um, I think if I had to bet, he's going to stay in the United States. Uh, I don't think he goes to Canada. And if he was to go to Canada, as we mentioned, I think he'll go to the Leafs. But uh, otherwise, I'm hearing St. Louis heavily uh interested and uh yeah so seti uh are you are you hearing anything are you have doing anything other than eric stall or are they staying stagnant or and, and is there any other names that you've heard that are on the chopping block uh i think well i mean with bergevin you never know he's always pulling trades out of his ass uh in a good way often they oftentimes uh pen out for the team so um but in terms of other rumors or trade talks, I there's nothing I'm aware of. I think the addition of, of Stahl was big for the team. It's already kind of paying dividends with him scoring the OT winner against Edmonton the other night. So uh I think they're kind of they're looking good where they are. Uh they do have a lot of maybe uh third or fourth line guys who are kind of on the bubble who they might uh, be willing to ship off to get an, another key player, but I don't think they'll they'll be pulling too many big moves uh, towards the deadline this year. Uh, one guy I think that actually doesn't get really brought up that much, but I think has a good chance of being traded is uh, Ottawa Senators legend uh, Nick Foligno. I think Columbus is probably not doing as well as they were expecting to do this year, especially when they added uh, Line. But he's a guy that I think would be able to contribute to uh to any playoff team you know he does have some skill but he's a hard-working gritty player uh has a lot of veteran experience so i wouldn't be surprised uh seeing nick Foligno being moved at the deadline out of columbus i don't know where he ends up but i think uh if i'm any team either making a playoff push or trying to solidify my lineup uh my roster for the playoffs i think Foligno is a great option for that um he can pretty sl- pretty much slide into any any line uh, on your team. So I think he'd be a good addition. And uh, maybe one one interesting thing that I've seen show up on a couple of trade bait lists is, 
And it's kind of sad is uh, just Toronto's top prospects. You know, oftentimes you're looking at trade bait uh, lists and you see players' names, but how shitty does it feel being a player on a trade bait list and being below just a generic name? You know, you're being put below Toronto's top prospects. Uh, so it's kind of, it shows to their, it's a kind of testament to their depth saying that they have so many prospects that pick any you want and that we're willing to trade them for you for something. But I think it's something I've never seen before. It's pretty interesting to see uh, looking at TSN's trade bait list here. Yeah, that's, that's, that is brutal. Like you can't even put a name, like poor kid, whoever that is. It's like, oh, am I Toronto's top prospect? No, I'm Toronto's top prospect. Oh, really? I thought I was. So it just becomes a scramble. Who's Toronto's top prospect? We don't even know. Apparently the Leafs don't even know either. They haven't even assessed that, but they're just throwing that out there. Um, I think the Leafs are no spot to be acquiring anybody considering they have half of their cap kind of squeezed in between four players and then everybody else is working for minimum wage. Um, so, yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see if, if the Leafs do decide to go on haul. Like where do like where are they set in terms of cap space? Like they're going to be borrowing money from RBC, like or, or Scotiabank, or I don't know who, but they're going to need some money somewhere. Um, another another name that's kind of kind of making headlines. Uh, we're looking at David Savard, which we touched on uh, briefly last week. We also touched on uh, Josh Manson. Um, the Winnipeg Jets are are looking to add someone on their blue line. And those are two names that that have kind of sparked a bit of interest from uh, from their GM Kevin Shoveldayoff, who has um, expressed interest in, in 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 the two of them. I mean, the right-handed shot, hard hard to find a right-handed shot. So they're going to be paying a premium, obviously. But if I had to pick either one of those two, uh, I probably think the Jets would go for Josh Manson, just a big body, um, hard. Hard nosed guy, hard working guy. So, uh, you heard it here first. I think Josh Manson goes to the Winnipeg Jets for, for Winnipeg's top prospect. Or are we actually going to put a name on this guy? So we'll see. So we'll see. And uh, and in terms of and in terms of Ottawa, I don't think this. Uh, I think the Sens won't be doing too much trading. Uh, I think they're at a s- spot now where, e- even though they have a, a lot of space in the cap, um, I I I don't think they're going to do much. I was hearing some names. I was hearing Anisimov, but we, you know, Ottawa put him on waivers and nobody took him because he was free. You know, he was free and nobody wanted him. So what makes you think we're going to trade for him? Otherwise, uh, otherwise that's it. Just a quick shout out to uh, Couch Scout for mentioning Josh Manson uh, last week before anyone even brought his name up uh, in terms of trade talk. So shout out to him. That's a Couch Scout special right there. You can you can always depend on him to come in through the clutch like that. I think you look at um, where it's at uh, right now, especially with the Sens. Uh, I, I think actually they may make one or two moves. One guy that really stands out for me is Mike Riley, uh, guy that's been that's been producing for the Sens on a pretty weak uh, defensive team. Uh, guys only owed one one and a half mil for the rest of the season, or basically this year. So basically half of that. Uh, and so he's he's a UFA at the end of the year. Braden Coburn's making 1.7, so half of that. And then Eric Goodbranson at four, so half of that. Uh, they're all three of them are UFAs at the end of the season. Um, and if you're the Sens and you want to make space for some some up and coming defensemen within your your system, 
Uh, right now is the time to kind of see what they've got down the stretch. You're not competing for a playoff spot, so see what you can get, even if it's a low low draft pick for them. Um, I, I don't. I'd be surprised if nobody's interested at Mike Riley for basically seven hundred thousand dollars in cash. Come come the rest of the season, guy can play top six minutes uh, on most teams right now. He's looked good, and I think I look at Anisimov four and a half million. Uh, the Sens would love to get anything for him, but coach, I think you make a good point when it comes to uh, he was on waivers. Nobody took a bite. You never know; somebody might take a chance. Guy can play the wing, can play up the center, up the up the the middle. Uh, Thirty two years old, uh, not owed a ton of money. He's basically owed still another, I think, two two and a bit for the rest of the season. So somebody might take a chance. And 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 another name here, just uh, Ottawa. I mean. This whole experiment with uh, we bring in Eric Branson over from Anaheim and it's just been a disaster. He has not lived up to the name, not lived up to what he's supposed to bring. And 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 I think and I, I think if you're Ottawa, you're doing anything and everything to move on, in order to make room for a younger player to s- slot into the roster. But uh, yeah, I think we've I think we've touched enough hockey, boys, and uh, and I think we should move over to some. Uh, I think we should touch some more golf here. I mean, I know the Masters is uh, on Thursday, uh, if I'm not wrong. So let me hear what you guys got to think, George. I'm fired up. I, to me, the Masters is my favorite tournament when it comes to golf a, per year. Uh, I think it's it's really much kind of that spring, April start. And so you got the weather getting nicer. Things are looking nice outside. Uh, and then you've got arguably the the most important or the biggest major tournament of the season and that's really where the the who's who show up and 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 compete for that elusive green jacket and so i'm excited to see what what you have we have in store it's going to be difficult and, and kind of upsetting to not have tiger in the in the field there knowing you know his health issues right now with the huge accident he had not too long ago uh but Still, some really, really good, good, uh, good elite golfers in the field. Guys, I always look at is DJ Johnson. Uh, excuse me, um, Dustin Johnson. Uh, I love Rory McIlroy. Jordan Spieth just won last weekend, and so he's coming in pretty hot. Uh, and of course, you've got the rest of the field there, where you know you can always count on them showing up. Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau can just absolutely hit bombs off the tee, uh, and then of course John Ram, who's never out of it. Um, and so it'll be exciting to see what comes of this weekend. Uh, to me, I'm always Team Rory McIlroy, and so that's the guy I'm going with. Uh, how about you guys? This is more gut feeling. Like I just want your favorite, not necessarily who you think you're going to win. Who's going to win, Seti? Well, I'm going to start off with uh, just disclaimer that the Masters is the only golf tournament I sometimes watch, so I'm not too... <laughs> too uh well versed in the world of golf and i think you can also tell by just watching me swing a club but uh i think for me i just i love the big hitter bryson dechambeau uh seeing him uh forget what what club he was using but being the only player to to hit across a pond onto the green on a par five instead of going the long way around and going on the fairway uh, that's the type of golf I like seeing balls to the wall, uh, all or nothing. So he's the guy I'm cheering for big hitter, Bryson DeChambeau. Also love the name. And he's always got the good hats too. I, uh, I can respect your pick, but kind of based off the things I've heard, he's just a real scumbag. So I, I don't cheer for scumbags. So fuck Bryson DeChambeau. 
that's arguable. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to Dustin Johnson. I mean, uh, one last year. I mean, the, even if you haven't won a tournament since, you know, you're still feeling the hype. You're walking back on that course, like yeah, you know, I conquered this last year, and 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 I think and I think you. I think you ride a certain high after you win a tournament of, of that size. Like the Masters is, our, you know, the most important one they play all year. So I'm going to go, um, you know, with Dustin Johnson Gretzky. Uh, so that's my pick, and I'm sticking to it. Beauty. Let's let's stick with DJ, though, because uh, one, one little-known fact about the Masters that happens every year that I find just super interesting is every year the tournament champion from the year before hosts a champion's dinner. And it's basically all the champions, uh, past champions that can make it to Augusta that year show up. And it's usually held, I believe, on the Tuesday of the week of the tournament. Um, and the the tournament champion from the year before is the one who hosts, obviously. And what that means is they get to pick the menu. Uh, and so it's kind of a cool little tradition that they have there. And then this year, uh, DJ, Dustin Johnson, just they just released his menu that he chose for this year's edition of the Champions Dinner. And I'm going to share this with you guys because I want to get, I've got a question for you guys because we all enjoy our food. So we can talk about this at length. So appetizers, pigs in a blanket and lobster and corn fritters. And the first course is a house or a Caesar salad. Family style sides or mashed potatoes and spring vegetables. The main course is filet mignon and miso marinated sea bass. And then dessert is peach cobbler and apple pie with vanilla ice cream. So my question to you boys is what is one item that you would if you were the, the the champion the the reigning champion and you were hosting the champions dinner at Augusta what's the one item you would have to have at your masters champion dinner either appetizer main side dessert you get one thing what is it coach you're up all right well uh, I just want to start this off I, I just want to say that um, in terms of dessert I think I think Apple pie is extremely overrated. Uh, hot take. Not a fan of any pies to begin with, so don't waste my time with that. Um, Nothing it, like a pie at Perkins at 3 in the morning. Well, I mean, there's some exceptions, but apple pie is not my thing. Apple pie is definitely I mean, not my thing. To me, this entire menu screams America. I don't know about you guys. Oh, this yeah, this screams this screams I'm from the South. Um, yeah. This screams I'm from Georgia or I'm married to Wayne Gretzky's daughter, but whatever. Um, Basically. If I could have anything. Actually, you know what? I can't just pick one. Let me tell you guys something. I'm I, I'm going to pick. Rules are you got to pick one. Oh, fuck. Am I able to pick one from, from, from four different categories? Go ahead. Like, can I give I, you guys I, a yeah, menu? Yeah. I'll give I'm you a that rule breaker when thing. I'm a rule breaker, so I'll let you break the rule this time. R- rules are made to be broken, especially when food's involved. Uh so for appetizers, what would I have for appetizers? Uh, I'd probably go with uh, sushi hand rolls. Just a variety of hand rolls. I, 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 you can never go wrong with stuff like that. Skip the first course. I don't really care. We, you know, we go we go straight to the main course. The main course. Um, I'd like to say that if you don't eat meat, you're not welcome. Uh, so if you're a vegan or if you're a vegetarian, uh, you know. You could zoom me in. You could, uh, you know, we can have a chat. You can eat your, you can eat your tofu at home. Just call me. I don't want you in my presence. Um, so if you don't eat red meat, I'll give you a nice, nice breast of chicken. This nice chicken breast with some, 
you know, mashed potatoes or some veggies on the side. But sounds exciting. But if you if you love your red meat, I'm I'm gonna give you a nice big steak the size of your head. Just to make sure you're fed well and you can't leave saying, you know, I went to a master's event, you know, I I I was ho- it was hosted by coach and I left there still hungry. I don't want you to stop at McDonald's. Uh, no, no, God no, no, forbid. No, no. no. you'll dessert... also be putting your uh, your competition in a food coma, so you'll be even better served. That's it. That's it. And then, uh, and then, and then to top it all off, keep it sweet. I love me some chocolate chip cookies and some just some New York cheesecake. That's it. So nice and easy, nice and simple. I think everybody leaves happy. And uh, and yeah, that's my menu. All right, uh, Seti, let me hear what you have to say. Please, no tofu, no vegan options. Thank you very much. I'm going to, for once, I'm going to abide by the rules. I'm going to pick one course. I'm also going to stick to my Italian heritage and go with a pasta meal. Uh, I'm going to go with some nice lobster ravioli. Uh, that would be my pick, you know. If you ever, if you give me a pick, uh, a pick of one meal, I'm always going to go pasta and... Uh, you got a little gourmet with the lobster. Tremendous. Who's better than you? Lobster ravioli it is. Nobody's better than you, Seti, at that point. Love it. I love that little touch of the, the heritage. So I'm going to have to follow that too. I'm going to go with you on that. I'm going to do a meal. It's a Lebanese dish. Uh, this could be basically the, the main course or an appetizer. Uh, it's called kibbinayi. And basically it is it is raw meat with a bunch of seasoning and, and, and different uh, Lebanese seasoning. Uh, the best way I can describe it would be like a, like a steak tartare, but it's more finely minced. It's not big chunks of the raw meat. I'm it's drooling, more, George. Fine. I'm, I'm drooling. I'm drooling. Coach knows. Coach knows what's up. I'm drooling. And, and that's what I'd be there. If I'm the champ and I'm hosting a dinner, I'm letting everybody know about my heritage that's right where it goes with a nice little glass of hara, which is a Lebanese uh, liquor. It basically tastes like licorice. It's so strong that you put maybe half an ounce in a glass and then fill it up and water it down with water. Uh, otherwise, you'll just burn your esophagus. And, and those two together, a little bit of pita bread, uh, maybe some, some mint, some good, good, good olive oil. Um, you're, you're in good company right there. That's my dish of the, of the championship dinner. Kibbenayi. Uh- and on a side note, if you if you want to see someone burn through their esophagus, just take the OC Transport Dorito Center. Uh, you're definitely in for it. So uh, if if you if you don't want to mix your ara, just take the just take the city bus. It's the same thing. Fun story growing up in Lebanon. Uh, not me growing up, but my my dad growing up in Lebanon. Um, they used to my grandfather used to fill up water bottles with ara. And, and it's just a pure, just pure alcohol. It's like something like 70% alcohol. Uh, and so he used to like whatever water bottles, the Nestle bottles uh, that would, they would finish. He dumped the water, whatever you drink the water and then fill it up with just the pure alcohol and keep it in the fridge. Uh, my parents were visiting and my mom opens up the fridge in the middle of the night, needs a glass of water, but she can't drink out of the tap because of the bacteria there, it's different. You can't drink it coming from Canada. And so you have to have bottled water. So she opens the fridge. There's a nice bottle of water. She cracks it open, takes a nice big sip. Boom. Hot up. Three in the morning. 
she's on fire and now my dad's got to come to the rescue fun little story about how that so now sold in the lcbo cheers to tony that's it and we've got a, another new segment this week so shout out to coach for this idea uh this is going to be a fun one uh we're going to keep it light like we did with that golf segment it's a would you rather so we're going to give you a, a hypothetical question and we see what would you rather so first question we're going to start off with a little bit of, of fighting some some mma slash boxing so the questions to you seti would you rather fight floyd mayweather in a ufc fight or conor mcgregor in a boxing match uh, I think either way, I'm getting my ass kicked. But uh, whew, I'll take Floyd, Floyd Mayweather in a, in a UFC fight and just trying to get him on the ground, and that way he, he can't uh, can't punch. And uh, hope for the best. Uh, definitely not taking McGregor in boxing because even in the UFC, he's known for th- his his punches and thrown punches. So I'll take my chances with Floyd and try to get him to the ground early. Yeah, I'll have to agree with you on that one. Uh, Floyd doesn't really know how to use his legs, um, doesn't really know how to grapple, doesn't really know how to do any any of that stuff. He's he's essentially all arms. So if you could get him down, you could put him in a choke or something. You you get him in a spot where he doesn't really know exactly, you know how to you know how to maneuver or how to get out of it. I think I think I stand a better chance against Floyd Mayweather in a in a cage than I do with Conor McGregor in a ring. Um, so yeah. I uh, I just don't want to test test Conor McGregor uh, in a ring, in a boxing ring, I should say. I think I'd take McGregor in the boxing ring just because Floyd is quick. He's fast. So I think what's going to end up happening is you're going to have to stay up on your feet with him, and he's going to box the shit out of you, and the challenge is to get him down on his feet. Whereas McGregor, you keep those gloves up, you protect yourself as much as you can. I think I'd have a better chance getting through a few rounds with McGregor in a boxing match, not even, maybe I'd, I'd get past a round, maybe I'd get to the, the first bell, uh, rather than Mayweather, who would, would not have those big gloves to protect me, and he'd just go to town all on me, just oh, kick the shit out of me. But Floyd, my tactic is the, the bell for the first round rings, and I'm just running beeline to his knees and try to get him to the ground. I'm just not, start I'm rolling not, around. Just, just as soon as the bell goes, I'm going straight for his knees. That's all it takes. It's a chop block in football. Perfect. One more for you guys before we jump to our bet of the week. If you uh, Would you rather become a fan of the team that you hate the most or never watch sports again? Coach, let's start with you on this one. Oof. Now, the team I hate the most is probably the, probably the Maple Leafs. Um, would I rather become a fan of the Maple Leafs or never watch hockey again? You know what? I'm willing to put the rivalry aside because I love the game just way more than that. So if I, you know, if I had to, if I had a gun on my head and, and they told me you got to cheer for the Leafs or you'll never watch hockey or frankly, you'll never watch anything again because there's a gun to your head. Uh, I'll just, I'll just cheer. I'll just cheer the Leafs on. I mean, they don't have a bad team. They've, they, they've got quite the talent. So it would hurt my ego a little bit, but I think I, I think I'd, uh, you know, I'd be over it fairly quick. Seti, I think I know who the team is you hate the most, but uh, I'll uh, I'll let you say it. So, yeah, I, so I go ahead and answer that one. I think you might be surprised. I, I want to hear what you're thinking. Well, where do you think? Where do you think? What are you thinking? 
Well, I know you're a Habs fan. I know you're a Raptors fan. You're a Jays fan. You're a Ravens fan. Uh, I, if if I was you, and and I had a gun onto my head and said you got to become a Steelers fan, I I don't I don't think I don't think you would do it. I I just think you'd never watch the NFL again. Surprisingly enough, you got the right sport actually. Um, surprisingly enough, in terms of hockey, baseball, basketball, there's not really any teams that I truly hate. If anything, I there's uh, in those sports, it's more the fan bases that I hate. I don't, I don't like the Yankees fans. I don't like Sens fans. But the teams that I can get over. Uh, but so you picked the right sport. But actually, surprisingly enough, the Steelers aren't the team for me. The team for me that I just cannot and will never be able to get behind. And you know what, to your point, I might have to pick stop watching the sport is the New England Patriots. I fucking hate them. So gun in my head, I, I'm stopping I'm gonna stop watching football. I would never I would never and could never uh cheer for such a horrible organization. That's a hot take. Sounds, George sounds jo- bitter. George, you're you're a fan of all sports, so who's the team you hate the most? And I think I know where you're going, but who's the team you hate the most? Yeah, I think for me it's the Leafs. I can't fucking stand the Leafs. I'd rather watch any other team win the cup other than the Leafs. And so for that, I think that's a tough one because I I don't I don't know if I necessarily want to stop watching hockey. Um, but I think I, if if I had to here, I think it's it's stop watching hockey because I just don't like the Leafs at all. Can't stand those assholes. That's and, my hot take of the day. And and I can speak on behalf of. Uh... I could speak on behalf of Segs. He hates anyone that's not the Colorado Avalanche. So he hates everyone equally. He's he's giving me the thumbs up here, so I know I know I've uh, I know I've said the right thing. Perfect. I like this new segment. We're going to be back with some more of those. Would you rather? Another side note on this here is you guys can actually take part in this as the listeners as well. So check out right now on our Twitter feed. It's going to be up for a week as well as on our Instagram story. That'll only be up for 24 hours, but you'll be able to vote for those two questions. So uh, just a reminder, our social media, at Pod on Instagram, and then at Pod with a zero on Twitter. So make sure you go on there, follow, uh, and, and, and put in your vote. We want to see what would you rather between those two questions. And that brings us to our final edition, or our final segment, excuse me, of the, the episode. We're wrapping it up with our trademarked bet of the week still looking for a sponsor so if you know anybody that wants to sponsor this uh, segment please let us know thank you the 85th edition of the masters as we mentioned earlier is this upcoming weekend uh so let's see you got to put money down on the champion who do you got winning it on uh, winning it all we've got dustin johnson nine to one odds justin thomas ten to one jordan spieth eleven to one bryson DeChambeau eleven to one john ram twelve to one mcelroy fourteen to one Seti, who are you going with for your champ? So originally I said that I was uh, I was going to cheer for DeChambeau, but I think if I've got money on the line, looking at at the odds, uh, I like the 14-1 to 1 Rory McIlroy, even though uh, I I would probably more enjoy watching DeChambeau more. more. I think uh, at 14-1, to 1, I, I really like those odds for Rory, and uh, I think that's where I would place my bet on. Coach, who you got? I'm going to stick to what I said earlier. I'm gonna to stick to Dustin Johnson, nine to one odds. I I like that. I think it's a safe bet, and I'm I'm not one that takes a lot of risks when it comes to betting. So, Dustin Johnson, that's it. He's he's gonna do it again. 
So that's all. Uh, I personally like Roy McIlroy because, as I said, he's my favorite golfer. So I'm going to Roy McIlroy, especially at 14 to 1. That's just easy money. Always cheering for that guy. Hope he breaks through this year uh, and wins that green jacket. Um, another, uh, Just a reminder for everyone, make sure you download the Masters app. Uh, that is the app that I download every year. And then, boom, Monday morning, it's deleted. Uh, but it's a really good app to follow the leaderboard. You can tag your favorite golfers. They get bumped to the top of the scoreboard. And you get to follow where they're at, what hole they're at, and uh, how they're, they're they're shooting on the round and on the tournament as a whole. So I got two fun facts before we do our roundtable for you. One, if Dustin Johnson doesn't repeat as champion this year, he'll be the shortest tenured Masters champion ever. Because the 2020 Masters, as you know, were held in November due to the COVID delays of last year. Uh, and so he'd only be champion for basically, what is that, six months? which is the shortest, five months actually, uh, which is the so- shortest ever. Second fun fact about Dustin Johnson is he's engaged to Paulina Gretzky, which is Wayne Gretzky's daughter, uh, but they're not married. They've been engaged since 2013. So they've been engaged for eight years. Uh, and so maybe he was waiting for his uh, second green jacket to get married. So we'll see if that happens in the next year. But that's another fun fact for you about Dustin Johnson. So as we've done in the previous episodes, we're going to do a round table. Uh, Seti, what are your, you want to give us your final thoughts before we leave everyone for another week? Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to take this, this moment to gloat a little bit. I know we said it earlier, but you guys could always come to me for basketball advice or basketball tips. Obviously I know best picking Baylor. Uh, I think I saw it was only 9% out of all brackets had them winning. So I'm, Within that 9% throughout all the brackets that were made this year, that's pretty uh, high status if I if I do say so myself. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, very happy. I'm, I'm gloating in my win. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of sad that it's over. But you know, next year, come to me and I'll, I'll help you with your picks. All right, Seti, tone it down here. We heard you the first time. Fucking third time you tell us here, Baylor, Baylor, Baylor. Yeah, yeah, whatever. What am I looking forward to this week? The Masters, obviously. Otherwise, I'm glad that the weather is definitely improving. I mean, um, we've we've got nice warm weather. The remainder of the week, we've got some sunshine. And uh, and I think I'm going to hit the driving range, guys. Um, uh, I played around with George a couple weeks ago uh, indoors. was not very good. I'm not very good to begin with. Uh, so, going to hit the driving range kind of get ready for the upcoming year uh i plan to play uh a little bit more than i did last year so yeah uh, otherwise gonna be watching the masters gonna be watching some hockey and uh gonna be following the yankees of course george what's on the uh what's on tap for you this week maybe we're gonna start a gym class zeros podcast golf tournament in in, in the future that could be an well, idea that, yeah well i mean if it's just us then you're gonna win so that's not really fair well it's just I mean, we, we not not just us. I mean, like we host a whole tournament, like twenty teams. We'll charge a thousand dollars a person. We'll provide like sandwiches and a brew of the week. This could be an idea. Just just thinking out loud. Anyways, some hand rolled sushi. <laughs> some some hand rolled sushi and some pasta. Um, for me, one thing I gotta mention here, guys, is I somehow took a chance last week. Uh, and started the Netflix show Formula One Drive to Survive. Not sure if you guys have checked that out. Absolutely incredible. 
It's an incredible show. I've binged two seasons already. I just started season three in a span of a week. Uh, and I am a diehard Formula One fan now. Uh, and so you'll be able to expect some Formula One talk on this podcast moving forward. I recommend that you guys check this out. It is fantastic. Uh, I know like we're not we're not motorsports fans in, in any way, but this is different. Like the way they, they show that Formula One sport uh, and the drama and the competitiveness there is incredible. Um, so highly, highly recommended. Uh, if you're going to do anything this week, watch episode one and then suddenly you'll close your eyes and you'll have finish the show so check that out otherwise we're gonna be watching a lot of masters golf so really really excited to see that george if i could add one last thing before we wrap it up you gotta stop watching these fucking documentaries because i don't know where you became a soccer fan now that's all you talk about you don't ask us how we're doing in our personal lives you jump right to manchester city we get it we fucking get it george you like soccer now you like formula one what's next What's next? You're going to watch a squash documentary? You're going to watch curling? Oh, all of a sudden you want to become a curler? Yeah, fuck that, George. Fuck that. I'm not watching Formula One. You're missing out. I'm not watching Formula One. I'm not watching cricket. I'm not watching curling. I'm not watching squash. I'm not watching none of that. I'm not watching none of that. There's no chance. There's no chance. Even you said you turn episode one on you fall asleep and you wake up and it's done that means it's fucking boring that means it's no, boring. it's incredible it's incredible so why would you it's tell us to close deep. our eyes don't tell me to close my eyes it's if like it's, a good it's show. not even closing your, it's like blink it's like you blink and then boom it's done because you couldn't keep your eyes off of it daniel ricardo's my guy i don't know whatever whatever anyways guys uh, no no i don't want to hear it no more anyways guys it's been a great episode <laughs> and we'll see you guys <laughs> next week segs Cut it off. No fucking Formula One. <laughs> See you guys. I'm fired up. I am fired up. I love this. I'm in love. I'm drooling. Uh, I think either way I'm getting my ass kicked. Cheers to Tony. Nobody's better than you, Seti, at that point. I'm not watching none of that. <laughs>